Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries. I'm John. I'll be your host for this evening, and it's time for another bonus voicemail episode. These are the episodes where I answer some of the voicemails and messages that people have been kind enough to send me. So thank you in advance to everyone who's reached out and sent me a message. And the first voicemail call we have is from Goblin's Henchman, the creator of the mind behind Hex Flowers, a sort of a random table with a memory, and something that I've greatly enjoyed using in my games. Now, Goblin's Henchman has got some things to say about what the OSR means, and also might have a few things to say about improvised weapons. So I'm going to turn you straight over to the head honcho, the henchman himself. Hi John, I, I just listened to your episode on what the OS, OSR means to me, which I, I was, uh, enjoyed listening to. And it kind of reminds me, I've been sort of thinking about putting out an episode about definitions in sort of things like gaming and you know possibly doing my own OSR means to me. But uh, I'm certainly intrigued to uh, learn your improvised weapon of choice. The pool cue in a sock, eh? Right, well... If anyone else out there is listening, I'd be interested to hear. Ring into ring into John, <laughs> ring into John's, John's anchor and tell him what your improvised weapon of choice is. Um, I'm going to go with the bare butt bloat bag, which was a thing that happened at school. Uh, I went to a. Let's not talk about that. Anyway, it's where you uh, you you flatulate into your hand when you put it down your trousers, and then you release the air under someone's nose. Hi John, it's Goblin's Henchman back again. Um, I suspect that Jackson probably couldn't have come quicker or soon enough for some, <laughs> someone listening to me in midstream there. Um, the less I say, say the better probably from this point forward. Um, I suspect I probably should have said um, pool ball in a sock for your improvised weapon rather than a, a pool cue in a sock. I think getting a, a pool cue in a sock would take some doing, but you know... <laughs> Anyway, I'm wittering now. Uh, cheers, fella. Bye. Thanks very much for that message, Goblin's Henchman. I'm glad you enjoyed the What OSR Means to Me episode. And I'd encourage you to have a go at putting out your own because I'm pretty sure it's going to mean a different thing to most people. But it's still an interesting thing to talk about. As for the improvised weapons, I think I far prefer mine over yours. I don't fancy getting a face full of someone else's guff myself, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that. As for the pool ball in a sock, to be honest, it's pretty much any heavy object that you can fit in a sock. You can then swing the sock and get a bit of momentum behind hitting people. And it's the barroom brawler's weapon of choice. I've seen it in a few different books and old films. So that's where I got that from. But as I'm sure Colin, a.k.a. Spike Pit, or anyone who's played in Delving Deeper or Baramaze with me will tell you, especially in systems where it doesn't really matter what weapon you use, like uh, Delving Deeper, where all the weapons do pretty much the same damage. I love being able to have a character who, like, if, if things go down, you can look around and try and find 
entertaining things to use as an improvised weapon rather than just relying on the old oh i pull my sword or my axe out but it's just a bit of flavor and it just creates a more sort of humorous and dynamic scene as far as i'm concerned thank you very much for your call in and it looks like the next one we have is from Laren of the updates from middle of nowhere podcast take it away Laren. Hi, John. It's Liren from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. You know, your discussion of what the OSR means to you, I haven't been keeping up with the Audio Dungeon Discord much at all because I just haven't had time to watch it, which I'm really missing it, by the way. But um, I think this always makes me think of just what labels are in general. So I think labels can be abused or or um, overstated. So when someone says to me, I think this you know, concrete thing. It usually leads me to ask more questions. And I think of them as a clarification of an individual person's views. And I know that when I say something, I don't remember to say in my viewpoint, in my opinion, after everything I say, I mean, that would sound pretty silly if I started talking like that, but that is what I mean. So anyway, part of it is just perception of labels. Thanks very much for the call in, Laren. Always great to get a message off you. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. The conversation about labels and their use could be quite a deep and involved discussion. And to be honest, I'm not sure I'm really qualified to talk about that since I'm sure there's far more sort of deep thinking and intelligent podcasters out there than me who could wax lyrical about this until the cows come home, get their adventuring gear, go out again and raid a dungeon. But I do agree with you. I think labels are like pretty much most things in life. They can be very useful. They allow us to identify things, uh, to determine who has similar views to ourselves. But I agree with you. I certainly know that whenever I say like, oh, I think the OSR is this, I mean, that's what I think the OSR is. I always, I never say anything's absolute fact unless it's an undeniable fact, you know, like um, there is gravity. Although I'm sure someone will probably ring in and uh, tell me that I'm wrong on that. But uh, you, you know what I mean? You get the idea. And I, I've got a lot more used to saying like in my opinion or this is my opinion since because i've been recording online via youtube podcasts and stuff like that for a few years now and i got into that many conversations where i'd say something that i just intended to be my own opinion and someone would take it that i was saying this is absolute fact and i very rarely mean that so i just got myself into the habit of saying like in my opinion or something to that effect but I think labels are like anything. They can also be overused. They can also be used for ill purpose. If you think, you know, to browbeat people who don't agree with you. And that's not something I'm a massive fan of, but I think it is going to happen. And I think these discussions we're having sort of now about what the OSR means in various other aspects. I know Colin's a great one for sort of talking about definitions and stuff like that, as is Barney of Loco Ludus. And it's important to have the, these discussions. And I would encourage anyone who hears me say, like, this is this or that's that, feel free to question me, ask questions get some clarification on what my opinion is, if I've not made it clear enough. 
I will never say no to someone opening a dialogue or having a conversation with me. The only time I tend to sort of put down the put down the view screens and lock everything off is when people just come back and they're like, no, that's wrong. Because then I'm just like, you're not trying to open a dialogue. You're just trying to tell me that you don't agree, which is fine. I don't expect anyone to agree with me 100% or even 50% of the time. But I would far rather have a discussion about that than just sort of set up our opposing camps on hillsides facing each other across the valley of conflict. So thank you very much for your call, Liren. Very much appreciated. And I've just been listening to an episode of yours on your podcast about 10 minutes ago, actually. I think I'm up to date with the latest episode. So look forward to hearing a bit more from you as and when time allows. But now it looks like that sneaky rapscallion goblin's henchman has snuck back in for another call in. Let's see what he's got to say for himself. Hi, John. Just a quick message to say uh, I listened to your episode on the OSR and also um, Spencer's. That inspired me to do my own version of what the OSR is. Obviously, paraphrasing it here would be pointless. So anyway, I'm just letting you know it's there if you want to listen to it. Cheers, fella. Bye. Glad to hear you've put an episode out about your own ideas about what the OSR is at Goblin's Henchman. Thank you very much for letting me know. I will certainly give that a listen as soon as I have the time. Now we have a first-time caller, Michael Blake, who sent me an email with his message attached. Thank you very much, Michael. Let's see what Michael has to say. Hi, John. Just a quick message on uh, your Neanderthal kind of uh, thing that you were doing. Um, I think two things occurred to me. I think one is people talking about physiology being the same for 100,000 years. But, of course, we don't know what's happening in the soft tissues like the brain. So quite a lot could have been happening in that time. The other thing is I always find it interesting that historians can be quite um, dramatic about what they do when they find an artefact. So if they find, you know, a stick with some scratches on it from caveman thug, um, they say, oh, that's as clearly an offering to the, the goddess of nature, where it could just be kind of him scratching on it because he was killing time while they were butchering the beast or something. You know, if someone, someone found pages from, you know, let's say humanity's destroyed, and the only thing that remained from humanity was... Uh, a section of the Monster Manual 1, and they might think that we had quite an elaborate uh, structure in our society based on monsters or something, or these monsters actually existed. So we've got to be a little bit careful when we interpret such things. Um... Okay, cheers, fella. Bye. Thanks very much for that call in, Michael. And yes, you are absolutely right. We have no way of knowing what was happening with the soft tissues, the brain, etc of our ancestors and in fact let's face it we don't really fully or even half sort of 50 percent understand exactly how the brain works nowadays uh, from what i understand we only tend to advance our knowledge of the brain when something actually goes wrong with it and we can observe the effects you're also right that a lot of history, of course, is down to interpretation. There's no way we ever get a full picture of what went on based on the evidence. So historians, archaeologists, etc., they have to do their best to make assumptions and work out what they think happened based on 
sometimes little evidence. And these interpretations change based on the society of the time, whether new evidence has been discovered, new theories that have been put forward, and things like that. So we're never really 100% going to know what happened in the past. But nevertheless, it's interesting to speculate about. So thank you very much for that call. And next up, we have a call from Gareth Graham, who is the author of such great storytelling games as Karma and Children of the Fall. Let's see what Gareth has to say. Hi, John. I hope you're doing well. I just wanted to say I really enjoyed your last episode on the OSR and what the OSR means to you. And in many ways, I agree with you. But for me, what the OSR is all about is nostalgia in a way that's accessible. I think when I look at an OSR book, to me, it's the kind of thing that I that brings me back to like when I was sort of 12, 13, getting a lift with someone to the hobby store, which was about 20 miles away, and opening up those books and just looking through them and looking at that black and white artwork and just really getting sucked and sucked into that um, sort of fantasy realm for me what the osr does when i open an osr book it gives me that same feeling and it takes me back to being 13 14 but it's super accessible so a great way to bring new people in great way to scratch that nostalgic itch just a great way to feel like you're a kid again those are my thoughts take care bye Thanks very much, Gareth, for calling in. It's great to hear from you. And yeah, I think you are, of course, right. Nostalgia does play a part. Whether that's small or a large part varies depending on the individual, but it certainly plays a part in the appeal of OSR games, particularly like the D&D retro clones and stuff like that. After all, a lot of these retro clones started when someone wanted to recapture the love of the original D&D or whatever version of D&D they first started playing with, but they wanted to put their own spin on it or they wanted to make it reflect more their own views of of gaming and what they particularly liked about the original D&D. So I certainly think it plays a part. I know for myself, as someone who came to D&D a little bit later on after I'd started role-playing, I suppose I almost have a bit of like reverse nostalgia for it. I'm not sure if that's the right term or not, but let's just run with it, where... I'd obviously heard people talking about D&D, but I never got to play it until fairly late on. I had one near miss where I was uh, I was looking at a copy of the Rural Cyclopedia in a bookshop, and I got a little bit of money saved, and I was saying to my dad, like, oh, dad, dad, I've heard about D&D, can I buy this book? And he was like, oh, my God, don't, don't just go to the first bookshop. Uh, let's have a look at a few others, see if there's anything you like better, and then if if you still want to buy this, we'll come back, which is quite a sensible viewpoint. However, of course, by the time we got back to that bookshop, the Royal Cyclopedia had sold, and I was a bit glum about it. Although I did end up buying a Tolkien Bestiary, which I've still got now, which is a pretty sweet book. And it wasn't until several years later where my parents actually bought me one of the old sort of D&D board games for Christmas and they got me a few of those over the years and it was then that I actually started to get my first taste of D&D although I was pretty clumsy as a, a young GM didn't really have a lot of people in the area who were interested in playing it but it's still it's still sort of along with Hero Quest and Warhammer roleplay and stuff like that it still sort of opened my mind to the fact that you could actually tell these fantasy stories 
with your friends and have good fun doing it. And I think later on, when I eventually discovered the the retro clones and people pointed me in the direction of the OSR, it had that whiff of nostalgia and of that old longing that I'd once had to play D&D, and that drew me back into it and is what originally got me interested in it. And from there, it was the sheer variety and different numbers of variations and seeing different people's views of what they could, what sort of little twists they could put on it, what particular spins they could put on the old versions of D&D that really sort of hooked me and made me think, yeah, do you know what? I can buy all these games. I can use bits and pieces from all of them in different campaigns and different settings. I can adapt them. I only have to load one rule set and I can run all these different games. And that really, really appealed to me. And it still does to this day. So thank you very much for your call, Gareth. Well, that's it for this bonus voicemail episode. It just remains to me to thank all the people who called in. That's Goblin's Henchman, Liren, Michael Blake, and of course, Gareth H. Graham. So until I see you next time, take care. If you want to leave me a voicemail message, you can, of course, contact me via email, reddicediaries at gmail.com. You can leave me a voicemail message on Anchor or if you don't like the sort of minute duration, you have to leave a message on Anchor. You can always do what Gareth and Michael Blake did and record your message as an MP3 or a suitable audio file format, attach it to an email and send it to reddicediaries at gmail.com. I really do enjoy listening to these voicemails, hearing what people think and putting these episodes together. So until I see you next time, take care. And whatever games you're playing, have fun. I'll see you soon.